Ding, 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 ding. Am I getting on your nerves yet? Well, that's the point behind the seatbelt alarm in your car. And if you know somebody who won't listen to it, well, feel free to be annoying and remind them to buckle up. You could save their life. To find out more, go to buckleupva.com. Buckle up. Every trip, every time. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome back. Happy New Year to everyone. This is your boy, the real Charlemagne, host of Brick City. Hey, we um, we made it to a new year. You know, this is my first show of the year. Um, had a lot of stuff going on, just kicked the year off, but hey, I'm still here. Like I said, I ain't going nowhere. Um, like I said, before we get started, you know, I just want to give a shout out to my family and friends, you know, supporting me and through this last year. You know, this is a new endeavor for me you know, getting into the spotlight, you know, getting on camera. Y'all know that ain't me, but I'm here for the people. I'm here to support everyone in my community. And my community is worldwide. And with that being said, today, I got a brother I met a few months back. You know, we just having a discussion on um, Black Coffee Talk. And, um, you know, he and I, we kind of hit it off, you know, and just started following each other and supporting each other. And um, without further ado, let's get to my guest today, Mr. Chris. How you doing, brother? What's up, fam? Happy New Year. Appreciate you having me on, man. Listen, no no we doubt. need you, brother. So listen, you got to step out there. I'm with you on it. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a tough role, man. You know, it's it's new to me. You know, I'm, I'm always been somebody that's been in the background pushing people forward. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and supporting people on the backside. But, you know, someone saw me, something I ain't seeing myself. And I appreciate that because I'm always pointing to other people. Somebody poured into me and said, hey, you know, you got a voice, share the voice with the world. And that's what I'm trying to do. About that, again, it's always a good look helping others, but pay it forward because we need to have you, the real Charlemagne in front, leading the way in some situations. Yes, yes, sir. And I appreciate the encouragement, man. But enough about me for right now. Let's talk about you, man. Hey, introduce yourself to the people and to the world, to my audience. Let them know who you are and where you came from. Will do. Again, the name is Chris Williams, nickname Uncle Smooth, born and raised in Philly. Love my background. Again, my parents commend them, did a tremendous job in giving me support and love to do some of the things, be strong and build upon what they set a format on. And that's basically just sharing the love of Christ that comes through us. And like you said, being the type of person when you do something, it's not so much always about you, but you want to do it for the overall good. So again, like I said, born and raised in Philadelphia. Obviously my background is basically with a lot of sports that started me off. Uh, 
love basketball, love football, like most young people, did a little bit of everything. But at an earlier age, I think I excelled at football. Most people don't realize that. My favorite sport was football. Oh, wow. I wanted to be a running back. My guy was Tony Dorsett. Okay. Raised in Philly, I know this blasphemy. I'm an Eagle fan now, but during that time period, I was a Cowboys fan. Because of Tony Dorsett, I wanted to be a running back. That was my lifelong dream. Right. But as I got a little bit older, I was starting to get taller. I'm currently 6'4". Okay. So, again, I was starting to stretch out. My last position I played in football was quarterback. Okay. And I can remember vividly. It was one particular game. My offensive line just wasn't holding up, and Cats was coming in getting a lot of good shots on me, man. Uh-oh, uh -oh. So I'm playing basketball from here going forward. So I put most of my attention all into basketball. And in Philadelphia, I was probably one of the best eighth graders in the city. I went to St. Benedict. Okay. And, again, I was just, just really good at what I did. Right. I I was one of those guys who put a lot of time and effort into the sport. I would work out early in the morning, not necessarily knowing exactly what I was doing, but because I love the sport so much, I would work out early, obviously play with everybody during the day. And then after everyone left, I try to stay later. So yeah. I just try to consistently improve on my craft. I went to Cardinal Doherty High School. Uh, most people who are familiar with sports would probably know Katino Mobley. Mm -hmm. Was a freshman, and that's one of my young boys. I love that guy. Uh, he was fortunate enough to get to the league, played a couple of years in the league. And I often tell people jokingly, if you've never seen me play, Catino Mobley is a better version of me. Gotcha. So, <laughs> Cat Mobley before Cat Mobley. Okay, okay. It's Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry went to Cardinal Doherty also. Okay. So, again, I tell people the three best players that come out of Cardinal Doherty. Again, this is my opinion Catino Mobley, Chris Williams, and Kyle Lowry. Again, it's gotcha. not a fact, but I believe so. Gotcha. So, fortunate enough to go to Cardinal Dockley. I was the all-city, all-state player there. Received a scholarship to go to Manhattan College up in New York. Okay. And when I went to Manhattan, wasn't a very good team that I went to, but I went with a lot of really good players. Right. And we developed the program there. So, from my freshman year to us being one of the worst teams in the country, we became one of the better teams in the country, made it to the NCAA tournament. The program had not been to the tournament in, I believe, it was 38 years or so. So oh, that wow. was very called the founding class. Wow. What led to what I do today is, if I didn't say it, I was a point guard. Right. But as a Philly player, most people follow sports and know Philly basketball. I was an all-around good player, but I was a point guard, a leader. And I think that was my strongest attribute. Was never known as a big-time scorer, but I could score. I'm a lefty shoot the ball fairly well, uh, slasher, athletic. But my strongest attribute was being a leader. As a point guard, I really loved the opportunity of having the ball, being able to make decisions. And the one thing that I love, Charlemagne, is making other guys better. Being able to say certain things, do certain things to get guys to raise their level of play, I thought was something that I did fairly well. My head coach at Manhattan was Steve Lapis. For my okay. first three, got to give him a shout-out who recruited me. And my last year, Fran Frischella. Okay. Most people know Fran from ESPN. He's a broadcaster. Right. Coach Laps broadcaster for CBS. But Fran, probably a little bit more popular, but both of them guys do a great job. Coach Fran said, Chris Williams is probably the best leader I've ever coached. Wow. And I take that huge compliment 
because this guy's coached a lot of players, been around a lot of guys. And again, like I said, I always wanted to help and make others better. Right. Now I currently am a motivational speaker. Okay. My platform is positive energy is a gift. And when I say that, because everybody can be positive, however, everybody's gifted. And when it's True. your gift, your job is to use that to help others get better. So again, fortunate and blessed that I'm able to be able to go out and speak to organizations, schools, teams, and convey that type of information. And I think more than anything right now, we need to make sure people understand that there is positive out here. Right. Obviously, there's a pandemic going on. People are depressed. You know, people are suffering from mental health issues. So we have to make sure that we put that good vibe out there, put that good energy out. And like I shared with you early, obviously you like being in the background, but this is the time we need guys like you to step up and help people and understand, listen, man, it's not as bad as it may look because exactly. we always find a way to get things done. Exactly, exactly. And, I, and like I said, I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I, I look at you sometimes and I look at, you know, you um, just talking, you know, you, you said excerpts, you know, from your, discussions with students and individuals, right. man. Like I said, you just always positive. You know, as far as, you know, we, as long as we know each other, I haven't seen you say anything negative, uh, even when it's a negative situation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You, always try, you always try to bring the positive, even when we're talking about bad situations, you try to find a, a, a brighter light in everything. And um, like you said, I think that's good. It, it's not sugarcoating. Some people call it sugarcoating. But right. sometimes you, you have to look at the brighter side of a bad situation. And um, you, well, you, you, you develop that. Obviously, it's, it's not always positive. That's a fact. Right. And I appreciate that you've noticed that I try to bring the positive side to it, bring a, a great light to it. But certain situations, you know, you have to say it is what it is. Right. And I'm not always positive. I need people like you right. to build me up, right. to give me that good vibe. That's why the circle is so big. One of the things I talk about when I talk to groups, most important word in the English language is we. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything successfully, powerfully, supernatural, or bigger than the thing itself without help. Right. I can't do it all by myself because I'm going to have my off day. Like you talk about teams that you like in sports, Kobe and Shaq, uh, Jordan and Pippen. One of those guys couldn't do it by themselves. No. They needed the other person as good as they were. So I appreciate people giving me love on that. But listen, I have my bad days. I have my down days. But I look for guys like you. I look for that black coffee crew to give me that energy I need. So I do appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, not, not, look just not, not talk, toss you on the bus or nothing. But <laughs> I, I seen your skills on the camera, man. You Look, you coming into your own on the, uh, on the network. Give us a little bit of feedback on how that transition, you know, from you to the court, to motivation speaking now you on a network actually commentating so let's talk about that a little bit i appreciate that man like i said as a player a point guard leader communicator i was very fortunate to be able to translate those skills into broadcasting i was a communications major so one of my dreams after playing was to get into broadcasting okay. and i've been able to follow that i do the broadcast for manhattan college do ESPN games. So I am in front of the camera a lot and I've developed, you know, some sort of just comfortability. Like I enjoy it. I know where my areas of 
where I can do things well, consistently learning. But again, I broadcast games. Actually, I'm on a game tomorrow. I believe it's on ESPN3, Siena versus Manhattan College. So if you get a chance to check that out, 7 p.m. tomorrow. But I do appreciate that you noticed that. And ESPN has noticed it also. I've done some, some pre-shows for the MAC, the conference that I broadcast for. So again, I just try to add the stuff that I enjoy doing. The motivational speaking deals comes out sometimes, but my knowledge of basketball and saying what I see, most of the time comes across fairly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I was laughing. Um, you quoted uh, Fat Joe a couple of weeks ago. Sir. <laughs> Hey, but you ad-libbed it, though. The way you flipped it. That's yeah. it. The way you flipped that thing, I was like, yes, last year's team was not this year's team. Doesn't carry over the following season, man. That's a fact. Man, Joey Crack. What's up, Joe? Yeah, you was like, yo, this year's team is not, it's not last year's team. It's not the same. Thing in life, man. So, Joe, he brought it home on that one. Anything you did last year doesn't necessarily mean it's going to carry over to the following year. Yeah, we, and we're seeing that a lot in, in all sports. You know, last year, you know, a lot of people was caught up in the pandemic, you know, uh -huh. and, um, you know, but a lot of teams, while, you know, instead of sulking and, and, and weighing down on themselves, they actually got stronger. You know, I've been watching a little sports here and there, and I'm like, some of these teams coming out of the woodworks this year. I'm like, even, you know, in, in NCAA, I was like, in football, I was like, wow. Where the squad come from? You know, Cincinnati went undefeated this year, yeah. you know. And I was like, word, you know. <laughs> so a lot of teams, you know, they, they you know, in this, in this it, I think if we could translate, you know, I, I played sports. I didn't play at a collegiate level. My son did. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just from a, having a sports background and then transition to the military, sports had helped me out a lot yes. as far as, understand it and trying to mesh people together you know right. a lot of people a lot of people be like oh you know if you you know athletes aren't smart and this and the other i think that's just a stereotype because you have to be smart to understand everyone's strengths and weaknesses and, and by you being a point guard you probably have to be the most intelligent person on the floor because you like okay we got 10 seconds left in the game you got to analyze your brain that quick. Who am I going to get this ball to? Or am I going right. to take the shot? So exactly in life, right. we, we, you translate that to life. And, and you got to make those split-second split decisions. But having to make those decisions early and in, in playing sports early, that allowed you to comprehend life a little bit easier. I, that was just my take on it. Um, just being involved in team sports early. What, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like oh, it helped you out in life? Yeah. Because I think one of the best things you can do if you have a young person, male or female, to get them involved in athletics, even if they're not that great. I mean, but like you said, the camaraderie, working with other people. And when I speak with teams, one of the things I tell them, the toughest thing to do in all of sports is win a championship. And everybody says, well, why, why, Chris, why? Because somebody has to sacrifice. When you have good teams, if you notice, there's always someone along the way who thinks they can do more. And they probably can. Right. And you have your family and your friends in your ear saying, Charlemagne, you should have took more shots. Charlemagne, you got to touch it on that play. You should have did this. Why are you letting him get all the shine? But within your locker room, 
certain players have to understand, you know what? Charlotte may be getting, may be getting all the shine right now, but I need to do my part for all of us to win. And when we win, we all get light. But in the era we live in right now, that's so difficult for people, especially young people, to understand because we want to be on Sports Center. We want to be interviewed by you. Exactly. Why is he getting all the love and I'm not? Exactly. But when you win, everybody does. So when you're mature enough to decide, I may have to sacrifice for the betterment of the team, that's when teams really meet their peak. And we've seen it time and time again. There's always one or two guys where you understand who could do more, but they did a little bit less to help the team be the best it could be. Exactly. You know, um, a friend and I, we was talking about college football, you know, um, we was talking about Coach Saban down in Alabama. Yes. And, um, you know, we was just having a discussion about who was, you know, who, I, I, I put him, I said, he's, he's probably going to be one of the best college coaches football ever you know yes and he, he he was like well what about this what about that one i was like you know growing up you know it was only one or two like you said tony dorsets it was only a <laughs> couple of herschel walkers come through you out doing you know that younger time frame you know it's, it's, it was one lebron one here that one whatever right. but then it's like okay it's when my son came through, by the time he went to college, you know, it's it's these kids, man. They coming out of high school, two thirty, two forty five, running four point four four point five forties <laughs> and all this stuff. It's a bunch of them now, and I like I explained to him. I said, "Dude, do you do you realize how hard it is yes. to take all these five star, four star recruits and make them sit down and wait?" Mm. Because we got all, <clears throat> like, you, like you just said, everybody in their ear, everybody instant gratification. We're in a microwave society. Yes. But for this guy to make these kids that's been on playing at high levels for, for probably five years because they start right. recruiting in the eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? For that's you, it. For Wait, you, that's to, it. For you to make this kid say, I'm not the best right now. I, I got to right. wait. To, buy, to make a kid understand that? Yes. I, I said, beyond what he does on the field, to make a kid buy into your system and understand, I got to wait. You know, that's, I, that's, that's tough in this day, day and time. That's so underrated because you touch on a great point. Think about this young man who's been the guy his entire life. I've been told I'm the man my entire life. Now I go to Alabama with all these other dogs just like me. And some of them are better than me. I've never seen anybody better than me before. So now I'm in practice with somebody who's better than me, a little bit more mature than me, and I may have to sit back. Now he has to make sure my ego is cool enough where I'm still going to stay and humble me where you have to understand this person right here is in front of me for the time being, but you will get your chance. Exactly. So your staff and everybody has to buy into that. And that's huge. And most people don't realize how difficult that can be. Because like you said, instant gratification, everybody wants to come in. But when you touched on guys like the Tony Dorsett's, the LeBron James, they're like the one percenters. Everybody can't be the guy. There's so many other guys who are good, 
and they help those guys be at their best. Exactly. And it takes time for guys to get that if they ever get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, like my son, my son played D one ball football. He he played at Wofford in uh Wofford College, South Carolina. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I had to have to talk with him. He was red shirted his freshman year. He's like, Dad, you know, I want to play, I want to play. And I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, dude, look at this, the bigger picture. You get an extra year of college. Right. Paid for. Hey, you know, we, we, we did the math about the NFL. We did the math about us. I understand you want to play, but here's the deal. Look at look at long term. You get an extra year of college. You will come out with possibly close to getting a master's degree. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's bigger than football. It's bigger no than football. No doubt. I said, yeah, his scholarship was a quarter. His scholarship was a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you realize, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> that's not coming out of dad's pocket because it was up to dad quarter mil. Uh, yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> well, you just dropped one of the jewels I was going to drop. Number one, you have an opportunity to be in school. In his case, for an additional year. And the cost of it is being covered by the school. Woo, big time. And the second big jewel, young people, if you're listening, turn on your ears right now. You have an opportunity to meet and see so many different things as an athlete that other people don't. Take advantage of it. They're letting you go places, see people that the average college student never gets the chance to do. You're traveling. You're meeting former players. Pick these people's brains about what's going on. So when you're done, you're at an advantage because obviously you have a great work ethic that most corporations love to have when you move on, but you've met some people. Exercise that. Don't be that player who's too snooty that you can't talk to people. Shake hands, talk to people, let them know who you are because when this is all said and done, those are the people you want to talk to. The alumni, those are the people you want to rub shoulders with. So, again, that's important. You're on the money with that. I love it. You know, I talk to some parents, man. You know, some parents, you know, they want to listen. And then some parents, they're like, well, my child not playing, this, that, and the other. You know, what, what's going on? I'm like, I said, hey, just just, just roll with it. You know, they, they'll get their chance to shine. I said, yes. the school taking care of it. And I'm like, you know, my thing is stop looking at Division one, division two, division three, you know, all the other leagues that's out there. Look at your child going to school yes. without you coming up out of your pocket. I mean, you you hear some so many people talking about how much financial debt they in to colleges. You know what right. I'm saying? But you worried about your kid not going to Clemson or, you know, the top five, but he's going to a lower level, mid-level. You know what I'm saying? What if you yeah. said, I'm not going to Manhattan because I wanted to go to Villanova? You know what right. I mean? You're like, oh, I'm just, you wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? How, yeah, yeah. How, would it, how would that have affected your life? Just just speaking off the where you came from in Philly and, you know, just how it is in Philly. How would it have funny. affected your life? Yes, it's so funny you brought that up. During our broadcast the other night, I was telling my partner how naive I was to the entire process. I was just excited that I was being recruited. I was under the impression when I received the letter that that school automatically wanted me. I didn't realize a lot of people received letters. 
I was under the impression if a coach came to see me or called the house that they wanted to offer me a scholarship. Right. So there was so much that I didn't realize or understand and my family didn't. We were just so consumed with the process and we loved it. We enjoyed it. I can remember John Chaney coming to see me play. I'm a static. Speedy Morris coming to see me play. Right. Uh, PJ Carlissimo. Right. So I'm like, wow, these guys are big time coaches. They're in the gym just to see me. Right. But not realizing I may not have been the number one guy on their list, who knows? But out of that crew there, only LaSalle offered me a scholarship, but I was fine with it. Right. At the end, it came down for me, the school that I felt comfortable enough being at. And the one thing I tell young people nowadays, if you did not have your sport, would you still want to be here? Right. If they took the sport away, would you still want to be at that school? Right. And I think for me, at Manhattan, if I didn't play ball, I would have loved still being there. Now, honestly, I tell people the three schools that it came down to was Manhattan, LaSalle, and Loyola Marymount. Okay. At the time, Loyola Marymount was rolling. Mm -hmm. The schools that fit my skill set at the time were LaSalle and Marymount. I was a running point guard. Gotcha. I'm going up and down. I want to get shots up. I'm athletic. I want to get dunks in. I want all that. Right. I don't, I'm going to turn it over a couple of times. So again, but I need shots. Right, now right. the total opposite <laughs> as far as scholastic, I'm sorry, as far as sports was Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Slow pace, you got to cut down turnovers. <laughs> so I'm basically putting myself at a disadvantage. However, in the long run, I'm around people who I know I would love to play with, love the staff. So I thought it worked out for me. But I, I jokingly tell people, if I had gone to Loyola Marymount or LaSalle, I really believe I would have had a cup of coffee in the NBA at least. At least. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's what's up. Hey, um, you know, that's that's funny you say that. You know, um just just touching on that for a second. Mm -hmm. How did you feel when you know your name, you know, you saw some other people that you felt you was because I'm quite sure you, you probably ran into some people you played against. They no actually question. made it, and you and oh, you did. How, how did how did that make you feel? You know, you know when, what when you saw them, and you did. In all honesty, and again, I just had this conversation when I came to Manhattan. When I went to Manhattan, I was really disrespectful to the league and the players. Okay. Coming from Philly, my Philly swag basically said, "I want to play against NBA players, night in and night out." I was used to playing against Randy Woods, Doug Overton, mm -hmm. Jonathan Haynes, high caliber guards from Philly, mm -hmm. Lionel Simmons, a lottery pick. Right. When I was in Philly, I played for Diamond Medics, which was the Sunny Hill team, popular Sunny Hill League, if I'm not sure if you have that Philly background. Mm -hmm. Summertime, all the best players played in the Sunny Hill League. And the team Diamond Medics I played on was the best players in the city played on this one team. I was fortunate enough to play on that team. Okay. As a high schooler, we're playing against Doug Overton, Randy Woods, uh, all the top players day in and day out in practice. Mark okay. Macon. Oh, wow. So when I get to shake Manhattan. Shaking back, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when I get to Manhattan, I'm looking for that same caliber when we play other teams. Right, right, right. Playing teams like Niagara, Canisius, right. like, hold up. I don't know these guys. Yeah. I don't know these players. But. These players are good too. But yeah. in my head, 
they're not as good as I think they should be. Gotcha. We're going over scouting reports. Steve Lapis used to do a great job. He goes over everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching film. Like, These guys are they're terrible. But I had to humble myself because where am I? I'm here with you. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're playing against these guys. Chris, you're here for a reason. Right. So understanding that, but as a player, you always have to have that chip on your shoulder. I think that's good for you. And my Philly chip always told me, you have to play harder because you think you're better, prove it Ooh. game in and game out. Gotcha. How are you going to prove it if you think you're so much better? I would lead, see all league players in our conference and say, how is this guy an all-league player? And I'm not. Mm -hmm. I went through four years, Charlemagne, never being an all-league player. Wow. But like I said, my attribute was my leadership. Gotcha. I'm a Hall of Famer in Manhattan College, and I didn't score 1,000 points. It was wow. never all. But that shows that they recognize what Chris, again, my nickname is Smooth, brought to the table. Right, right, right. But recognizing that and understanding that sometimes can be so much of a challenge because like you said, you see guys you played against go to the league. Mm -hmm. You see guys that you've done well against be successful and you say, man. But the one thing that I love that I was able to do is understand my passion at a certain point actually left basketball. My passion became being the leader. Gotcha. And after I graduated, most people don't realize it. I was invited to camp for the Boston Celtics. Okay. Now I would have had to pay, but they invited me. They called the office at the school. Listen, we would love Chris to come, but he has to pay the waiver. The school would have paid for me. But I told my coaches, I would be doing myself a disservice. I would be doing the Celtics a disservice and these other guys who want to get there a disservice because I don't want it as much as them. Right, right, right. Like that at one sense. point, I wanted it so bad. But to get to that next level, and if you're not that one percent or the LeBron or whoever it is, you've got to work extremely hard. And I had that mindset wasn't there anymore. I understand. So understand. Yes, I look back at it, I do say a certain guys who I competed against, you know, you know, I wish I would have maybe gone a little bit harder, but when it was all said and done, I did what was right for me. And that's hey, that's all we gotta do. And uh, you know, a lot of people like myself, man, I, um college wasn't my thing, you know. I went to, I I went to the military. You know, right. people's like, oh, well, you you know, you was a good student, da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, I was a good student. But I was a father, too. I was a father yeah. in high school, you know. And I, I at, at some point, you know, I was just like, you know what? I'm doing my kids a disservice. Yeah. You know, um, so I got I to gotta make a better way for them. So I was right. like, military it is, you know. And um, yeah, I attempted college, man, but my whole focus point, I'm going to college and I'm working part-time gigs. I'm doing this, doing that. Just trying to just make sure my kids are fed. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and, and suck it up, you know, and go to the military. And a lot of people, you know, oh man, you know, that's for suckers, da da da. You can get a job here at this factory, da da da. And you know, I'm gonna tell you the story and I'm gonna tell mm -hmm. you how God works. I was working at this factory. I uh, was working through a temp service. I think I was making like three dollars seventy-five cents an hour. <laughs> and um, you know, but with overtime, man, you know, we was working seven days a week. You know, twelve, ten, twelve hours a day. You know what I'm saying? So I was making okay money for back then. Right. And um, then they was like, "Well, you know, we about to expand. We about to go." do this and do that. So apply for a full-time position. 
I applied, I took the test. I made like a 93 on the test, you know. And um, she was like, oh, that's a really good score. You know, da, da, da. You've been working, coming to work on time. All this good stuff, you know. It was, you know, I was like, all right, cool, you know. So I was sitting here, I was waiting, you know, just waiting. And then while I was waiting, you know, it just hit me. It was like, something was just dominant. It was like, this this is not for you. you yeah. Know? This, this is not for you. And, and, and like I said, it was like, I signed up to go to the Army one day. The following day, she calls and say, you ready to start? I said, ma'am, I decided to go to the military. Right. I'm going to the Army. I, I leave in a couple of days. I leave in like a couple of weeks. <laughs> Because the recruiter, I went to the recruiting office. They didn't come to me. I went there. I said, right. I'm, get me on the fastest plane up out of here so I don't change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gone. I was gone within a, probably a month of me going to the thing. But fast forward two years into my military, that plane shut down. Mm. It shut down. Wow. So I'm like, yo. God, he puts obstacles in your way to just slow you down for a second just so you can so have a better path. You know, like I said, the military wasn't all great, fine and dandy, but it set me up. It set my family up where my kids, they didn't have to pay for tuition. Right. I was able to purchase a home on a VA loan. You know what I'm saying? So it was yeah. things that, was, that I was blessed with if I had it with the other right. I'll be still working right now because a lot of those people that I was working with that was making 60, 70 grand, they still working now mm. at 60, 70 years old. Wow. Because they was working at plant life. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things, you know, like you said, it's not always what we want, but sometimes it's what we need to do yeah. that, that, that carries us further to, to where we need to be at. and and just just listening to yourself sometimes right. it, it puts you in places where you probably would never be <laughs> you know what? I love your story I, I picked up so many things out of it but one I'm gonna jump on real quick 85% of the people in this world work jobs they dislike exactly. 85% Charlemagne just think about that That's so nice. only 15% of the people in this world like to do their job and one of the reasons we don't make decisions we don't like deciding or making a decision for ourselves we allow people to make decisions for us like the young lady who was trying to persuade you which is a great sales pitch yeah. but again you take a step back a lot of people don't do what you did and say do i really want to do this right. because so many people don't realize it they can control their own destiny if they just are allowed or allow themselves to make decisions. Make decisions. I just want to touch on the pandemic because you and I have had some really good conversations. <laughs> Go ahead. Vaccination. Again, I'm not going to make it a huge ordeal. One of the reasons I'm so leery and I feel uncomfortable about everything that's going on, if you're vax, pro-vax, non-vax, I'm, I'm not here to battle with anyone. That's not my deal but you're not allowed to make decisions. That's what I just don't like. I don't like that they place fear on you. When I say they, meaning the government, the establishment, whoever it is, and people are living in fear. If you take it, take it and live. If you don't, 
go along with that. But it's so much fear being tossed out and you can't decide. People aren't able to make decisions that they want to make. And that's the sad part about all of this. People are under fear and they're not making decisions that they feel honest and true about. And, And that's why so much confusion around this whole ordeal. So much. It is, man. You know, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, and that's why I said, you know, we, I'm on, I'm on Clubhouse, and we're in a, a, a show there, and you know, I know it's, it's hitting out people hard, harder than anybody, you know, the African American race, but I, um, also I, I, I contribute that to the care that we receive once we get into those facilities. You know, yes. Um, sometimes we don't receive the best care because we already have an X on our forehead when we come into the emergency room and someone trying to get out of work, someone's not being sincere on their ailments or mm-hmm. because we just hate going to the doctor. You know, that- we, hate, we hate going to the, to the doctor. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us not covered with health insurance. And, um, you know, this is another plug in addition to that. You know, open enrollment, I think it's still going on, so... Try to get that, you know, some some health insurance for you guys, you know, and I I, I totally agree. I, I feel it's your choice, and um, I'm not I'm not going one way or the other with it, you know, because everyone is grown, you know, you're grown to make your own decision, and I feel like, like you said, I feel like it's it's your decision to make, you know. I just hate that we, as a people, can't make that decision on our own. Way. That's it. Right there. We depend on other people to make decisions for us. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And when you are a person, you'll say, you or myself, who are comfortable enough to make a decision we feel strongly about, you get ridiculed because you made a decision that maybe everybody else doesn't agree with, or the quote unquote people above who have decided you should have said this. But no, I. You know, I've, I've done my research. I've thought about it for me. Right. That's not for me, or this is for me. Right. I applaud people who can make decisions. Even when your decisions are wrong, make a decision. And then yeah, if you're right. wrong, you, you, you said know what I'm sorry. I mean, because here's the, here's the thing, you know, and this is not, this is probably not the the the, the political thing, but if, if an individual is racist. I can't say I respect him as a person. I respect his stance if he stands on that on on where he is because you know I know how we, to deal with that person. That's I know it. how to deal with that person because now we point, he stands right there flat footed and say this is who I am. I gotta respect that. I can't respect. Mm-hmm. I don't respect how what he you know. I don't that, that issue, but I respect him because he's standing on it, and I know how to deal with you. But if somebody yeah. somebody sideways all the time slicking around you. How do you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How can you respect them? <laughs> no doubt about it. And like I said, that fear. The fear is so big in this entire situation. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You're scared if you do. You're scared if you don't. <laughs> and just listen to the criteria here. And I, I jokingly talk to my dad about this all the time. All right, so basically you're telling me, oh, you know, I feel good, Charlemagne. I feel good. Everything's cool. You know what, Chris? You may be asymptomatic. You still may have it. All right, there you go. You got me. All right. So check this out. I just got tested. I'm, I'm negative. You know what, Chris? If you test the next time, you might be positive. So, <laughs> so it's always that looming fear that's out there. Like, you know, you're never safe. Now we're going to send you all these tests 
So you'll have test test yourself at home and check on you. I'm, I'm okay. I feel pretty good. I don't need to be tested. No, no, you, you might be asymptomatic. You may have it. So there's no one out here who's cool. <laughs> this is something we're dealing with, man. And, you know, and like I said, I, um, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. It is. You know, I, you know, I, um, I must say, you know, full disclosure, I'm, 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 I'm fearful to give it to my elders, you know, mm -hmm. because I don't want to be that one. Right. That's, that's simply asymptomatic and give it to my grandmother because that's my only grandmother I have living. And some of my family members that are sick. So that, that is a fear that I live in because I don't want to give it to them. Yeah. But at the same token, I feel like I'm protecting myself and, and doing the right things, keeping my immune system up and doing the right things to protect me. But at the same time, I don't know what the next person have when I'm going to the store or this, then the other. So I'm like, I got to stay protected, you know, myself. I wear my mask. I try to do things the right way, you know. And like I said, you know, I, I'm, like I said, I'm not for or against Vax. I'm just for safety. You know what I mean? Nope. <laughs> so, but I, I, but I've always been that way. I don't, I don't like crowds. I don't like, you know, going to the store at peak hours. I don't go shopping at, at, at Christmas time, Black Friday, all that. I've all never right. done that. So this yeah. pandemic is never, it, it really hasn't hindered me from the standpoint of living. You know, it slowed me down as far as traveling a little bit, but as far as fear day-to-day -day life, I'm cool because I, yeah. I ain't been out there like that anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all the points that I touch on when I speak, it's about living rather than existing. And so many people right now are just existing. Exactly. And I believe that's one of the reasons why we have such higher crime. We talked about the depression. Uh, we all touched on mental health issues because I think people are just not living, they're existing. And once you're existing, you lose hope. It's a downward slide for everybody. Because when someone doesn't have hope, they don't care about themselves. They could care less about you and me. Exactly. And, um, it's unfortunate because I, I, I think it was like, right before Christmas, man, I'm not sure what was going on, but it was a lot of people that I've seen in the news. And it's probably more than was televised, but it was, it was guys taking their families out or they, their spouse or their girlfriend and then turning the gun on themselves and taking themselves mm. out. You know, so it's a murder-suicide issue, but it's like, what's, what's, what's causing this? You know what I'm saying? What's, but that, that goes back to what you just said. People just are so much in fear. I don't want to live in this world right. in fear. So they said, yeah. I'd rather just end, end their life in my life because I don't want them to hurt. And it's like, you know, it's sad, you know, in that way. And that's why I said that positive energy is a gift, yeah. part of our job, <laughs> to put it out there and spread it. And you know, one other thing I wanted to touch on because you and I had talked about this previously, and it starts with us in our communities. Right. I know during the Black Coffee, we have some tremendous conversations with some great guys on there. And you and I had talked about how we can improve on what's going on. You know, sometimes you may not be able to fulfill everything you want in the huge picture, the big picture, but you can start in your house. Exactly. You can start in your community where you live. Mm -hmm. I love to be in areas where, you know, you're on a block where 
everybody's like, you know, we love each other. We got under, everything under control here. That's where it starts. You know, if you come in our circle, you're going to be taken care of. We need to see more of that. And that's what we've lost along the way, where people lost control of their own houses. Like, you got to have the police come in and patrol your house. I know that sounds crazy to some people, but it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to handle your household. You should be able to handle your block. You, I wanted to get back to the point where police officers come to a block and you have some guys like you and I who say, listen, we got everything under control. The young fellow over here, he's cool. We got him. We don't need you coming here, drawing your guns and acting like, you know, you know, doing your military, whatever it has to be done. You don't need it here. We got it. We got military here in Charlemagne. He got his back. We got it. We've lost that. We lost. So now we're scared of our own, in our own houses, on our own block. We don't know who lives with us. We don't know who lives around us. <laughs> so that's the sad part that I think we can do a better job of that will help everything, at least for us. Meaning our community, meaning Blacks. People who have brown skin. We want to look after one another, and it has to start in our homes, in our communities. Exactly. I totally agree with that. That's, um, you know, I, I actually just uh, joined 100 Black Men. We, we're trying to um, start a chapter here to start that policing of our community. Um, you know, and, it, and it's good, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of us was trying to do things on our own and we just sat down and like, okay, well, let, let's, let's just try to collectively do this together. Right. With some structure, somebody, something that's already proven. Let, let's let's try to rock with them and and try to use their instructions what they have going on and then just let's try to build our communities using that and um yes. i totally agree man because like i said we just got to start policing up our own first and i used to, you know i worked in mental health as well years ago and it was like you said it was like why is this kid in the group home you know why has he got a mentor you know all this other stuff but like you said, the, the parents or the caregivers fearful of the child. Yeah. And I'm like, that was never the issue never. when I was growing up. <laughs> never. Never the issue when I was growing up. Because if mama couldn't handle you, you had an uncle. If right. couldn't handle you, you had a big brother, a big sister, you had a big cousin. Somebody going to make sure you, you ain't cause a havoc in that family. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And, and, so what I'm, like you said, we're away from that. I'm going to go a step further. When you go back to my background as an athlete, a young athlete, you used to have guys at the park who would look after you. I can remember guys saying, yo, leave Chris alone. He got something. We're going to make sure he good money. I can remember that. Wow. So you had people who would look after you, but nowadays we don't have that. We need to get back to what, looking after our own, man. This guy right here, he might be special for all of us. We, we don't need him getting into any trouble. Exactly. exactly. So that's the thought process and mindset I would love a lot of us to get back on. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons I really enjoy the Black Coffee Group. I'm so glad you and I linked up a couple of the other guys. We, you know, talk on the side. But we need more of that. But I think it should start more so in our homes. Oh, yeah. Then it branches off into our communities. Then we can get out there and do a little bit further work. Because I know that work that's further out is so difficult. Exactly. And when we start exactly. talking about that work, because the rules are just so slanted, 
and it's so difficult to try to break those. Exactly. You're right. You're right. You're right. But yeah, man, look, we look, we've been going at it for a while, wow, man. I look, hey, I, 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 I want look, I want to keep it going. But um, you know, I, I look, I, I'm trying to trying to preserve my crowd, my audience. You know what I'm saying? Try to keep it under an hour. But um, before we roll, man, you know, you've been dropping gems a whole hour that we've been on. I just want you to give some a, a resolution to our community and black men specifically. Just drop a nugget for them. And um, as, we go as from black, there. I think it's so important for us, like I said, to work together. Begin showing each other more love, man. We're the same person. You know, we have so much black on black crime. I'm in Philly right now. It's like day in and day out, you see just heartless crimes. You got guys chasing each other in the street, broad daylight, trying to shoot one another. And it's over just really petty stuff. I just want us to learn to love one another, man. You're my brother. Whatever you're doing, I want to try to help you out. If I have something I can give you, give it to you. I just want us to get back to having a loving, caring, sharing heart if we can. And the ones who do, Make that decision and not be fearful to stand upon it. And once we set these examples, hopefully some of our younger ones will see it and follow suit. I think it's so important for us to just have good examples, to have good role models. And we've lost some of that because the ones like us who may not even want to step up because we're afraid. And I want us to lose that fear and stand bold, but we have to do it together. Key word, most important word in the English language is we. I want to pick you up. I need you to pick me up because I'm not going to be positive all the time. The days where you see me down, like, yo, come on, Chris. Yeah, I need you to bring it today. All right, bet. All right, I, you, you with it? We're going to do it together. Right. Then we get another captain to chime in there. Then them youngsters start seeing us like, you know what? There is a better way. There is a better way. So I just would implore all of us in our community to start loving one another, man. Seeing the love in each other. Gotcha. Deep right there, brother. Man, no doubt, love. man. All love. Listen, you bring it out. Much love. Bring much love. Much love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, well, people out there, hey, I appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. Hey, this is another episode of Brick City, Building Rich Intelligent Culture, Keeping It Simple. Hey, that's what we're doing. Hey, and um, don't forget to follow me on all platforms. Leave a comment. Hey, Chris, we're going to respond. I'll respond. Hey, feel free. We open books. Hey, feel free to talk to us. Hit us up. Tell people how to reach you before we go, Chris, before we leave. Question. On Instagram and Twitter, hear Chris speak. H-E-A-R. My name, Chris, C-H-R-I-S. Speak, S-P-E-A-K. That's on Twitter and Instagram. For Facebook lovers, I know that more mature audience, it is Chris, C-H-R-I-S. Capital B, period, Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. And if you want to contact me, you can go to hearchrisspeak.com. Go to my website, get some good information on there. And I do have a book, Charlemagne. Okay. 20 Beautiful Men, best-selling author, your boy. Holla at me. So you can get that off the website also, hearchrisspeak.com. 20 Beautiful Men, good book, great read. Appreciate it, brother. All right, peeps. Hey, you heard it from a man. Hey, Chris. Hey, check him out. Thursday, 
what is that, January the 22nd? It's, yeah, so he, he'll be ready to rock and roll. It's the 20th. No, the 21st. Okay. Tomorrow, this you'll be on tomorrow night, right? Okay. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So hey, let's let's check him out. Let's support him. And um, like I said, until next time, this is your boy, the real Charlemagne. Hey, holla at y'all next time. Peace. Ding, 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 ding. Am I getting on your nerves yet? Well, that's the point behind the seatbelt alarm in your car. And if you know somebody who won't listen to it, well, feel free to be annoying and remind them to buckle up. You could save their life. To find out more, go to buckleupva.com. Buckle up. Every trip, every time. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.